Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, my name is Jamila Jamil. And I feel better about my hair for being Conan O'Brien's friend. <laughs> oh my God, what a cruel blow. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, third season of the podcast. This is my second take of the intro mm -hmm. because on the first take, I just started making noises. Yeah. yeah. I went, you sounded and, like a chipmunk. Yeah. I went, well, anyway, we and then I just ran out of steam. I don't know what happened there. You guys giggled, but it could easily have been some sort of cerebral, <laughs> cerebral occlusion. <laughs> If you do have really bad mental problems, we'll never know. I know. That's and that's why we were giggling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People have often said to me, if you had some kind of terrible degenerative brain <laughs> issue, we wouldn't know. Because, Sona, back this up. Half the things I say are nonsense. Nonsense. Absolute gibberish. And <laughs> I speak in gibberish. Yes. And so if, God forbid, something happened and uh, and I got some kind of clot in my brain and started acting and speaking foolishly, right. people would say, yay, here's a check for more money because that's what you do. And be like, I'd be making gestures, no, no, no. And they'd yeah. be going, ha, ha, he, he, he. I would be worried if you started making sense. Yeah, I just assumed something like this happened years ago. Yeah, if you started making sense... I'd be like, we need to get him to a hospital immediately. Okay, I just thought of a story. I don't know. I hope I haven't told this um, that involves cerebral hemorrhage. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Let's, let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> Dad, tell us the one about cerebral hemorrhage. Okay, gather around, kids. Everyone gather around. You all have your cocoa? <laughs> okay, here we go. No, it's serious. This, is, this really happened. When my son was a little kid, his school had a what's called a wax uh, museum day where all the kids dress up as a certain historic figure. Oh. They have to pretend to be that figure. And what happens is you go through like it's an exhibit and they put a little fake button next to each kid and the kid acts frozen. <laughs> so the kids are frozen and different. And so my son, of course, wanted, because uh, he's such a tech-ophile, wanted to be, um, he wanted to be Steve Jobs. So he was holding a laptop and he had glasses on and a little black turtleneck and he was frozen. And if you went up and pushed his button, he'd go, hello, my name is Steve Jobs. I was born May 5th, whatever, 1951. I pioneered the personal computer and he'd give this whole speech and then he'd stop and freeze and you'd push the button again and he'd go, hi, I'm Steve Jobs. So that's how it worked. Oh. So I was walking through and I was looking at some and then I, there was one that I stopped at. It was a guy, a kid who was frozen and he was wearing a suit and he's standing up and I pushed the button and he said, look out. Grenade! 
<laughs> and made an explosion sound and then said, hi, I'm Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> and I was what? like, what? <laughs> and he went, I was the, whatever he was, I was the, you know, 30th president of the United States. And I was in the Great Depression and everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, grenade? And he goes like, I saw the country through the Depression and then I saw us through World War II. And I was like, I guess that's what grenade's all about. Uh-huh. And he said, um, and uh, eventually bringing us to victory in Europe. Um, I died April 15th, 1945 of a brain bleed. <laughs> and then he froze again. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I pushed the button again and he went, look out, grenade. <laughs> Hi, I'm Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I was born in 19, and I couldn't, I was so entranced that A, he's standing, which Franklin Roosevelt could not do. Franklin Roosevelt's throwing a grenade. Why is Franklin Roosevelt, he, he led us in World War II, but he didn't fight World War II. What are you talking about? And I loved it. Oh, and so I stayed there and I just watched it for a while and parents would come up and they'd push the button. Look out, grenade. <laughs> Hi, I'm Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> I grew up in Hyde Park, New York. I was the governor of I died April of 19, and he has this big smile on his face, leading the leading the U.S. to victory. I died in April of 1945 of a brain bleed. And then he went back into the frozen position. And I thought, I'm never going to leave this place. Isn't it? How old was he? They must have been really young, right? Uh, I want to say he was seven, oh eight. I don't know. Seeing a seven-year-old saying, I died of a brain bleed. I died in April of 1945 of a brain bleed. And then freezing, going back to the throwing. And let me make it clear. Franklin Roosevelt is throwing the grenade. He's in World War II throwing a grenade. And he's also telling people, look out, grenade, which you don't say to the enemy when you throw a grenade. You don't say, look out there, Nazis, here comes the grenade, and then toss it, and then say, by the way, I'll die in a year, in April, of a brain bleed. Uh, man, see, I when I say I've got a story about a cerebral hemorrhage, oh, man. I've got a story about a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh, that yeah. was an all-time. I like that one, yeah. Um, well, anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're, I'm very excited about our yes. guest, thrilled about our guest. Uh, I'll just say it. I may be in love with this woman, oh. but that's okay. I, you know, I will just keep that to myself. Well, you just said it. I just said it. That's yeah. true. I said it out loud. This is actually going out into the world, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's clear throughout yeah. the entire. <laughs> I know. Yeah, too, you did not hide it well at all. Yeah, I know. You're not good at playing it cool. No. <laughs> and I, when when this guest showed up, I was holding flowers that I had bought for her that had wilted, <laughs> and I was wearing a seersucker suit that's too small. <laughs> Hi, Jamila. I love you. And I'm going to die two years from now in Warm Springs, Georgia of a brain bleed. Well, I've given, you know, you all know who it is, but I, I, I adore this woman. Uh, my guest today played uh, Tahani Al-Jamil for four seasons on the hit NBC series, The Good Place, one of the uh, better television shows to be crafted, I think, in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Now she hosts her own podcast, I Weigh, with new episodes available every Thursday. I'm thrilled to uh, talk with her today uh, and in studio. I'm usually, these are usually yes. over Zoom, but I am thrilled that she's able to be here in person. 
Jamila Jamil, welcome. Now, let's explain to the people listening that my hair is out of control during COVID. I have not had it cut. It is out of control. And I have said this. uh, I look like the bully on Karate Kid. I look like... (laughs) I've got a weird headband. I've got a lot of hair. Is that a headband? I thought you'd had an injury. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to pass it off as a headband. I was in a tricycle accident on the way over here. Uh, Yeah, it does. You know what I should do is I should get a white headband and I should put a big red stain on it. And then I'll get all kinds of incredible attention from people. Mm -hmm. No, I went with headband a while ago because I thought it just gets the hair out of the way. If you're stuck without a mask, it can be a mask. It's a really bad look. <laughs> Your hair is spectacular. I've had the same haircut for 32 years, so I'm a hair coward. You know what I mean? It's yep. easy. And also it's created a great global mystery around what is under my bangs. Right. And I have obviously told people it's a, it's a, it's a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> or a very big clit. Well, good Lord. No, good. This is just where I wanted the conversation to go. Hi, how I, are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I told my mother, she's never listened to the podcast. I said, Turn in, tune into this one, Jamila Jamil. And she was like, okay. And so we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore you. I think you know that because Likewise. I think we were at some, someone took a picture of us at some event and I think I posted, oh, here, you know, here I am with my TV crush. And it was, you know, what's nice is that it was sanctioned by my wife. My wife was like, yes, that is someone you should have a crush on. And I sanctioned this crush. I then started asking other questions and she shut it down real fast. <laughs> but my uh, boyfriend is outside right now. Uh, sanctioning my crush. So, you know, simp. I, I want to say something else. I want to say something else. This is, in all of COVID, throughout this whole crisis, I've been talking to people on the podcast through Zoom. You and I are in the same room. Mm-hmm. If we die, we die together. We die together. And I, I, it's amazing. We're sitting, we're socially distant, and I'm also emotionally distant. He is on my lap. Mm-hmm. I hope that <laughs> I thought this was what you wanted. I misunderstood. Um, yeah, I, we're in the same room. It's so nice to be in a room with you. I'm a big fan, uh, and I am very happy right now because I don't know about you. I'm just so missing human beings, especially delightful human beings. I feel like I'm in uh, a crisis mode because I just am not with people. I'm with some people, but it's the same people every day. And I can't take it anymore. My family's got to go. I'm getting a new family. (laughs) I'm starting another one outside of my existing family. Amazing. Yeah. So I'm, and now this is the part where you say, oh, and it's, you know, it's great to be with you, Conan and all that stuff. I was paid to be here. Um, can, can I have my money now? Uh, no, it's, it's, it is. Well, now, how much? How much did they have to pay you to get you in here? $25,000. Good God. Wow. You, and yes, now someone's coming in. They're bringing a suitcase of cash. It looks like a drug deal is going yeah. down. No, I... I love being here with you, but I have to say, as a massive introvert, I have loved not seeing anyone else. I'm okay if you're the only person I see this year. This is enough. This my cup runneth over, so I'm good. Like now, let's I talk about you. that because you, you you say you're an introvert. What are we talking about here? I mean, you you really dislike being around other people, or does it make you uptight? My best year of my life was when I broke my back and I stayed in bed completely by myself, didn't see another person and was on morphine (laughs) eating ice cream 
been watching television. <laughs> Greatest year of my life. People are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It was the best year of my life. Still unmatched. Well, sorry, I'm... Ted Danson. But... Okay, <laughs> we'll get to Ted Danson in a second. But um, morphine and ice cream, I'm told, is an insane combination. Yeah. Really fat and really thrilled and having an amazing time. How did you break your back? <laughs> I uh, I was running away from a bee that wasn't chasing me. So I just saw the bee, <laughs> thought the smartest thing to do would be to run into the road to get away from it, which would make me much safer. And in fairness, I did not end up getting stung, but I did get hit by one car into another car. Oh my God. And broke my back. So. And irony of ironies, the car was driven by, by another bee. By another yeah. Bee. yeah. Um, <laughs> And so stupid. You just told me you were horribly injured by a car. I was fine. And I went, I went for a joke. And um, I, I said be- it was the best year of my life. You're safe. It was the greatest but- time ever. And it's where I got to discover, like, I really got into comedy. I really got into film and TV and music. I'll never forget that. But just no people around. No people. So, and you liked it. I loved it. So this year, like, I've been training for this. So I didn't really have friends until I was late into my teens. I've been training for this my whole life. It's my Olympics. This is... Uh, you are ready for this. You are yeah. ready to go. Let me ask you something about, did this change your life and that you thought, I'm going to die? Or did you not think that? Did you always know I'll be As okay? As a teenager, I didn't think that. Um, I mean, to be honest, when it first happened, I got right back up and walked home because I had so much adrenaline running yes. through me that I thought I was fine. I was reassuring. I was worried about the driver because he was a very old man who was really fucking traumatized and it was totally my fault. And then I ran home and decided not to tell my mum. And I it wasn't until I passed out randomly an hour later and then woke up unable to move that I realized something was wrong. But I was so stoned that I really just didn't think it was that serious throughout. Right. I loved it. I was lying down. Who doesn't want to lie down? <laughs> Just, I, this isn't what anyone wants to hear, but I, no, no, you know, but I had a it's, great time. It's nice. I mean, again, a lot of this is the morphine talking, uh, which I, I'm told is an True. amazing. I'm, I've oh. never had morphine. I'm told it's amazing. It's like being kissed by virgins on the inside of your veins. <laughs> oh, my Lord. By virgins who are good kissers, which is yes. very unusual. You know, that's the other thing I was going to say, <laughs> is that virgins are terrible yeah, kissers. by porn stars. Yes. Well, <laughs> the they don't do a lot face. of kissing. <laughs> well, it depends this where is, they're kissing. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's let's stick with that. Yes. Uh, virgins who aren't kissing porn, you on the... I mean, porn, porn stars who are... jobs on the inside. <laughs> oh, God. Well, those can be quite violent. Um, not that I've seen a lot of porn. I mean, I've watched my share. Um, you mean you have shares in... Uh, I have a lot of shares in pornography. Yeah. I have, I've invested very, very wisely in pornography. <laughs> I've made a veritable fortune and it's going to put my children through college. So it's all worthwhile. Great. This is, so I've never had that. What I did have once is I was. Um, I've made you go redder. <laughs> yes, I have. Every time. I know, I know you always, uh, but I like it. It's, uh, I am, um, I'm, I'm very uh, titillated and humiliated at the same time. And I love the word titillated. Uh, I was mugged once and uh, it was a bunch of guys around my age, but one of them hit me really hard in the face Shit. and shattered my nose and I went to the hospital and they gave me I think it was like a mixture of cocaine and laudanum to like just put me out it's the happiest I've been in in my entire childhood yeah. I just when doctors give you the good stuff it's fantastic and I don't use drugs yeah I'm not like you I'm not constantly no, using I've never I've never taken uh, any hard drugs and I've never drunk alcohol 
alcohol. Okay. I was just putting that out there to see what I'd get. I think we have a lot of things in common. We haven't used drugs. We're both very tall and very attractive. Um, and we both uh, grew up uh, watching TV, uh, lying down. You had an excuse. Your back was broken. Yeah. I, I was, did that before the car accident. I was a lazy, <laughs> I was just a lazy shit who watched TV and <laughs> pretended my back was broken. But it was amazing to me that I, you know, I got the experience at 19. I really think all children should be hit by a car just once because it just... I have often thought the same thing. I really do. And, you know, if I were president, um, no, but I, I was able to gain this extraordinary level of perspective in my life because, you know, once you lose the ability to even piss by yourself, your value system completely shifts forever. So it's been super handy in this incredibly vacuous, like bizarre competitive industry where everyone is always thinking about what they don't have rather than being grateful for what they do have. I mean, we're a whole generation that is obsessed with what we don't have. We've been trained into that by commercialism. And so- And the internet now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've been happy to, I've just always been happy to be able to piss by myself. That's always been the bar. It's (laughs) never been like the benchmark has never changed so I'm always thrilled with everything that's fantastic what a wonderful uh, low bar no but what a wonderful partner you would be I mean you're you just as long as you have access to your own bathroom yeah and can piss by yourself Mm -hmm. you're loving the partner you're with that's fantastic having a great time I'm a very simple chilled human being I just don't like people who aren't funny and so that's why I prefer to be in my house on my own or with my two funny housemates, one of whom is someone I am in a relationship with. Got it. Well, just give me a chance. Throughout this hour, I will convince you. Cool. Would your boyfriend be cool with me just hanging around the house? 100%. No, but let me go further. I'm really hanging around a lot. Yeah, no, that's fine. He would be totally down. He's also another overly tall ginger. So this is, he'll have a dad figure. Oh, why did you do that? Why did you do that? That was, we were, it was, it was so good. And then a dad figure. Okay, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, I would be a very, uh, I guess I must have had him at a very inappropriately young age. Uh, I think it was fine. I, no, no, no. I clearly had him. So I had him when I was like eight. Is that the idea? you had him at a very normal sort of mid sort of 30s. Okay. Time. Okay. Um, well, we've established, thanks Late, to maybe. Jamila. Oh, no, 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 no. It was not late. <laughs> So basically, I had to have, um, I was pretty much impotent when I had him. You're a child bride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm enraged now. I'm enraged. I'm enraged. I've been destroyed by you, uh, someone I've put on a pedestal, and you've destroyed me. There's nothing left. That's what pedestals are for. They're for kicking people down. And we're tearing statues down. (laughs) And I think you just tore down the Confederate Conan statue and destroyed it. No. Yeah, it's gone now. Um, There's so much that fascinates me uh, about you. First thing is that you're you're fearlessly honest, and I do love that about you. Do you ever scare yourself? Several times a day, therefore. Right, right. But yeah, I, I think I am scarily honest, but I just grew up around a lot of very dishonest people, and I grew up in England, which is just an inherently dishonest place because everyone's lying fundamentally just about being happy. Oh, oh let's talk about that. Let's okay. talk about that. Yeah. People have said to me sometimes, oh, Conan, you should come over here and do some comedy over here, and I'll think, oh, they'll just tear the shit shit out of me. I've been, I'm, I'm terrified of, of Londoners. They seem like they, um, judgmental pricks. <laughs> is that it? Is that, is that yeah. what they are? But, but not 
not actually towards Americans. We love an American. We are just cruel to our own, especially if they find success. Well, that's the tall poppy syndrome. The tall poppy syndrome, yeah. So we're very, very strange about uh, success, but we love a successful American. We love a Julia Roberts. We just don't want Hugh Grant to do very well. (laughs) Does that make sense? Well, it all worked out. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's... But that's... (laughs) Sorry, Hugh, come on. You and I are very good friends. He's my flatmate. Um, I have noticed that. I mean, it's, it's true about the Irish, too. Uh, look at him over there with his success. Mm-hmm. Feckin' thinks he's all of that in the back. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, where is, is that, that German? <laughs> that was me doing Portuguese. <laughs> like, look, you know, it's so funny. I'm an Irish guy who can't do an Irish accent. My, and to really do an Irish accent, I have to do a fake cartoon one of, oh, oh I got stars and clothes. But the real, uh, the real one, I could never do, no. and it's really hurt me getting uh, parts. Um, um, but it is like. You you know, we are fundamentally dishonest about how we feel. Even our humility is fake. I have like a big weird theory about why we're so faux humble or why we're so self-deprecating. Why? You ready, Colin? You ready? <laughs> okay. So I think that there is a forced humility in the British because the British went out and tried to colonize the world, essentially, right, right. and got sent packing right on their arse, back to their tiny little isle. So for a while there, they thought they had these vast continents that they had ownership over and were told to fuck the fuck off. (laughs) And so I think the embarrassment, the mortification of having gone out there with such a big ambition and all the raping, all the pillaging, (laughs) all the murdering, and to still be defeated and sent packing to now just live in this tiny little tiny little aisle, I think means that they are trying to be self-deprecating in advance of anyone making fun of them for their tremendous fuck up. Uh, Okay. A couple things I want to say about that. First of all, I think you might be onto something. You're neglecting that it worked for the British for a long period of time. Yeah. Now they managed to... But do you think that they were self-deprecating back then? Because I just don't think you can be self... What are you going to do? Like go around raping everyone in, you know, all these Native Americans being like, sorry, 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 I'm probably sorry, sorry. (laughs) Right, right. I think that they were bullshit motherfuckers. Yes, yes. I think at the time they yes. probably, but now what you're talking about is they also lost their empire so fast. Yes, so I they're, think they're very embarrassed, and I think that's where the like instant display of self mortification comes from the failure. Now here's my question then, because I brought up the Irish. The Irish act a similar way, and we've never we we didn't conquer anybody. The Irish, <laughs> the Irish can't keep Just their very own. hungover. No, no, I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. We're very, uh, you know, we're very whatever the self-deprecating, putting ourselves down, very mordant wit, and we never conquered the globe. We uh, we barely got up out of bed and 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 got outside, you know, and and moved a potato around with one hoe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't understand. I don't I don't know where that came from. That's a mystery That's to fair. me. I don't know, and I also don't know enough about the history of Ireland in particular. I just know that the Brit- the British have a lot to be sorry and embarrassed about. So therefore, I think that's where that comes from. But yeah, growing up around that feeling of like you can't tell people how you really feel you can't tell people that you're sad you have to like have the stiff upper lip it and also growing up around very manipulative like compulsive liars a lot of the time you know people within my school or people within my own household meant that I was just tired of the bullshit and I needed to just get the exact thought I have uh, which has been very much so to my detriment sometimes well, <laughs> publicly but that's just that's how it is I would rather be honest than uh, swallow my feelings and this also comes from an interesting place 
Do you mind if I tell you the interesting place? I forbid it. It's not, not my vagina, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Wait, well. Also, uh, when I was 26, I had a fucking terrible nervous breakdown. I had very, very bad depression. And my depression wasn't like lying on a couch, crying to sad music. It was mm-hmm. very like numb, high functioning mm-hmm. depression. And so I didn't even know I had depression for so long because the representation in Hollywood is that you visibly look like you're falling apart. Whereas I just didn't feel anything. Right. I didn't feel anything at all and part of that is because I was being dishonest with myself so in lying about how I felt I wasn't just lying to other people I was lying to myself that I could cope and I think that that detachment from me is what caused my depression and so I think part of like getting out of that nervous breakdown and that meltdown was for me to just be like I can't hold anything in anymore I have to I have so to that's what happened you didn't yeah. have a moment of basically became too unbearable and that's when it you said okay screw it I'm just going to call things as they are for the rest of my life it wasn't you went into a certain kind of therapy and had a breakthrough no I mean I did have therapy a couple of years after that but no it was truly a breakdown of just right. realizing why I'm so unhappy while I feel lonely even with myself and it was because I wasn't a truth teller I was just a fucking I was insincere I was the 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 clown you know yeah, and yeah. I you know I was I had to be the life and soul of the party and the entertainer and I always came with like stupid fucking anecdotes and I didn't tell anyone who I really was and I think now warts and all I've just decided to make it my journey and my uh, my entire goal to show the world exactly who I am and risk not being accepted but at least be fundamentally honest to myself right. and true to myself and I also think young people need that we've grown up with so many people who are just not at all transparent they don't tell the truth about anything about how they look the way they do, about what's really going on in their head, about how they've achieved success. And so I think you have to show people the dark side of what you're like. Otherwise, they're they're comparing themselves to us and they think that there's something wrong with them because we seem to be just high-functioning and perfect and effortless all the time. Well, I've made it a life's mission to let any fan of mine know I am not high-functioning. And, and that. Um, but I think that's why I love you so much. I've loved you for such a long time, even from the UK, being able to watch your show on the internet, is because it felt like you were one of few people who felt like there, there, there was some honesty. Well, that's nice. Uh, it's yet another thing that we have in common, in addition to our... <clears throat> height and stunning looks uh, and I'm going to just keep hitting that again and again and again until mm-hmm. it becomes true sure. um, fake it, it till you make it mate. <laughs> incredible incredible sexual prowess both of us uh, yeah. but anyway I don't uh, think either of us are actually known for that <laughs> uh, it's I'm, what I'm trying to get out there okay. is that uh, it's you know don't be fooled ladies okay. uh, this guy's an animal anyway because um, oh, that's just but what a I, lemur a lemur <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah. I didn't say tiger I am an old I'm a very old lemur <laughs> that's sleeping in a tree and uh, I've been injured I've been injured in, in a brush fire and uh, I may not make it. I'm a lemur in the sheets, ladies. <laughs> I don't think you should be allowed to be called an adult until you're 30. I think 18 is preposterous to be called an adult because uh, you don't know fuck all about shit all until you are about 30. You have, you only start to figure out who you actually are right. around then because until your your childhood trauma hasn't even surfaced until your late 20s. You don't even know where all your isms and idiosyncrasies come from yet. And they all start to catch up with all of us just before we enter into what I think is actual adulthood. So I'm really only just starting to figure this stuff out. And I really passionately... 
I think I'm going to say hate. I'm going with hate. I hate people who complain about getting older. I hate people who go like, oh, I don't want to say how old I am on my birthday. Right. Like, you're so fucking lucky. And I think, again, that comes from the car accident of realising that I could have lost my life at 19. Yes, I got to do a lot of basically medical heroin and it was great, but <laughs> it could have been really bad. Right. And I could have had no heroin and just been dead. Um, and then I would never have got to meet you, which would have been a tragedy. Yes. Um, so I, I am the. I am like a comedic morphine yeah, if you will um, but you know I'm so lucky to have lived yeah. I'm so lucky to survive so many people die so young and if ever there was a fucking year where you realise how lucky you are to have your life it's this year we have to stop this bullshit women have to stop trying to look younger men have to stop expecting women to look young forever it's fucking ridiculous I'd like, I just think generally we need to develop some gratitude because life is infinitely better for me morphine aside um, than it was as a teenager I was so confused and also we're so ill prepared for life when we're young right. schools fail us so much it's so insane that I knew more about igneous rock than I knew about sexual consent or about depression or anxiety or right. how the world actually works what's bullshit about the media I was left like open to being completely blindsided by the world because parents of our generations like didn't talk to us about anything and oh, God, no. didn't no, no yeah, yeah it was you know taboo and I think that you know we came from generations in particular and it's probably still exists where you think that uh, the ignorance and innocence have to be mutually exclusive whereas actually I think it's the opposite I think you can maintain someone's innocence for longer if you arm them with the information that will help them have the autonomy to avoid the things the disasters that are going to leave them traumatized for decades does that uh, make sense yes it does and in my family if People, if we were watching a movie and two people held hands, everyone would turn away from the screen and pretend that they could look through the wall, I'm like so they had like X-ray that. vision. Are you okay watching sex scenes? No, on TV? I can't bear it. Even on my own, I can't. I can't do it. I can't bear it. I've never seen Fifty Shades. Never. If I hear that there's a sex scene in a film, I can't. I can't cope at all. I feel so intrusive. I think you and I should get over this together, and your boyfriend. I want him there. But I think the three of us should watch Fifty Shades together. Can you imagine? Yeah, I think we would all. We should film us watching we should, Fifty Shades the, of Grey. The camera should just be yes. on us watching, uh, <laughs> and um, I'm going to be wearing a robe. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and in honor of your uh, of your boyfriend, it's going to say "Dad" on it. Uh, um, you have acted. I'm not an actor. Uh, I'm always myself. When I, when I see a sex scene, I'm not just embarrassed for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm often embarrassed for the actors because so I'm thinking they become so graphic. Mm -hmm. And and you and so literally there's a guy saying, okay, this is where you're giving her anal. And the, it's these two adults who have to pretend that this thing is happening. Yeah. And it feels like such a humiliating way to earn a living. Sex in itself is so stupid. Like the thrusting. Like, what are we doing? We I've were, never done. What is the thrusting? <laughs> What's like, thrusting? Just the entrance. Oh, I don't. I, once I'm in, I stay very you still. Just one push, and then what I do is I slowly, and I'm, this is very graphic, and I hope no one hears this. I go in very slowly. Often they don't know I'm in. Then I tell them, usually with a note. Uh, I have a handwritten note that I hand them that says I am now in. Then I move as little as possible. 
And I just try and stay there as long as I can. Cool. Well, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm aroused. Yes, yes. Um. Uh, I'm told, as I said, uh, they, they call me the lemur. Uh, I like to crawl into a small space and I like to curl up and just be there. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm told it's a very unerotic experience. I've been told that by all three of the women I've had sex with in my life. And uh, they all said that was shockingly, uh, and you know what? A lot of them were appreciative. They said, uh, you know, I've had these crazy wild rides in sex and they, wow, I could, you know, I could just barely focus the next day at work. They often did good work, uh, you know, on their laptops while I was with them uh, and, and, and in full, full action. I'm not amazing in bed either. But I've got big boobs, so I don't have, have to be really. Um, I, uh, uh, what's that? Why does like, that mean you don't have to be? Some of the reviews I've had, I've had three separate lovers, and this is out of five? Five lovers ever? I'm writing this down. Five lovers ever? Five, maybe six? I think five, five and a half. Um, five and a half? Who's yeah. that guy? Let's not get into that. Okay. Um, but... Let's feel sorry for him. Um, no, but I was just I, when you said five and a half, uh, I thought I didn't realize we had dated. <laughs> five and a quarter. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I've been told by three separate men that um, making love to me, and they meant this, I think, as a compliment. Uh, felt like having sex with a memory foam mattress. A memory uh, foam, which means I, that you ab- would absorb the I contour of their body to any shape. You yeah. shift to any shape. That's a compliment. No, would- it's not just about being bendy, though. It's also that I have no muscles anywhere in my body other than my heart. So I am really like built like a um, like a human marshmallow with nipples. Um, <laughs> so, but the other thing is, you do provide great lower back lower back support, L- great lumbar support. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, when um, sex was over, they felt well rested. I'm a comfortable shag, but I'm not an athlete in the sheets. You know? um, right. So I can't like I can give you three pumps of reverse cowgirl and then I'm out. I tap okay. out. I tap out real well, early. I think anyone listening knows that you were being honest, but I was being self-deprecating, as is the Irish way. <laughs> I'm a master. I'm a sexual master. Um, uh, you did I, open my water bottle for me very fast. You, so that uh, means you have a massive cock. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I, and I didn't use my hands to open it. Uh, I am uh, a sexual athlete. I've been described mm-hmm. in Sports Illustrated. Actually, mm-hmm. I was on the cover. Um I, uh, no one's got buying this, so I'm just going to walk away from it, literally walk away from it and move on. Um, yes, I think that the fact that you and I are comfortable talking about this, meaning, and and when I say that, I mean, you're comfortable talking about it Mm -hmm. means that we are putting other people at ease because there are a lot of people, let's, I was kidding around a lot, but you are uh, a stunningly attractive woman. And so there would be all these expectations that I would sure women of any age would put, would project onto you that you're saying is, is doesn't match reality. No, and it's not even like, because I've been unattractive more of my life as in like societally deemed unattractive more of my life than I have been deemed attractive. So I'm not even shagging like a lazy girl who's just always had it come to me. You know, like I, my first kiss was 21. My first shag was 22. Didn't have my first orgasm until I was 23. Like I am a slow learner who has just yeah. not really chosen to make up for lost time. Uh, I'm just sort of, I'm just chilling, you know, just not learning much, uh, not over myself it's more of a just a yeah, I'm just not an athlete not an athletic 
guy, just bendy and soft, very soft, uh, too soft. Yeah, it would appear cool. Um, yeah, but um, I know. I would, I'm just I'm thinking. I'm thinking about. Would, I'm thinking about things now. I, I Can I ask would, a question? This yeah, may border sure, on rule, but, but I don't want to let this go. Mm. You said I don't have to be good at sex. I have uh, big breasts. Yeah. What, what does that mean? That was just a joke. Of like, someone's so distracted by by breasts. But it's true. It's like yeah. dangling keys in yeah. front of a cat. They just look at oh, it. Careful, and, not that dangling. But you know, I mean, like, it's no, no. I didn't mean no, that. Your no, breasts joking, were I'm like these. I don't. I mean, I don't think they could start also, a car. If they are, that's fine. That's lovely. But um, but the point is, is that uh, I've just like it's. They are a distraction tactic, uh, and mostly if I can just stay silent, I think that's enough for other people because it's my trying to insert comedy right. into the bedroom that goes down very badly. It, does, uh, it doesn't go down well? No, no. I had a boyfriend who once accidentally stuck it in the wrong hole for a brief second, and I uh, my exact words were within a millisecond of that happening was unexpected item in bagging area. <laughs> uh, which was the angriest I've ever seen someone look with me uh, for trying to turn this. He was like, I'm really thrilled you've decided to start your stand-up career while I'm inside you. Uh-huh. But there was just like a, you know, most girls just wiggle and shift, do a wiggle and a giggle and shift. But I had to uh, turn it into a supermarket um, I, I think that's uh, that's a very funny line to come up with <laughs> under duress, <laughs> under extreme duress. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I would come up with a good joke in that situation. It's uh, just that that's like, so mostly it's just been like um, being asked to be quiet and then people are normally like thrilled. It's fine. Right. Who doesn't right. want a comfortable shag? Like it's just like some people just don't want the washing, the washboard abs and the like, you know, the toned so, statue shag. I am so glad you said that. Yeah. I am so glad you said I that. I don't like it. I've never I've I've never wanted to have sex with someone very skinny. Uh, no disrespect to them, but like I like I like a, a cushion for all the pushing yeah, that no, they're gonna do because I'm tired. I um <laughs> I was really upset when I was in my twenties and and women started talking about, oh, I like that guy. He's got such a great ass and I was like what we have to have asses we have to we need asses because I have nothing there's, yeah, just, yeah. there's nothing there yeah there's, I, uh, no, I'm, I'm the same pray for the butlers <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know I don't we should start a hashtag <laughs> yeah no it's uh, and, and I was visibly upset and yeah. I was saying to my women friends I didn't realize that you know I thought we had to have like wide shoulders and it was good that I was tall and uh, of course other parts are important, but no one had ever mentioned that, that had never been on the list. And suddenly I'm being told by women, oh no, that's something we think about and we look at guys' asses and we, we object. It must be so awful to feel well, like I, you're being objectified yes. and expected to live up to a physical. Yes, that's the point I'm trying to make is men, <laughs> men to the exclusion of any other gender, in my opinion, have been uh, put in this ridiculous position of being objectified. Is that, am I going, yeah. am I, what no, am I it's doing? Really, it's what I campaign for all the time. It's just men's rights. I knew autonomy. that you and I would see eye yeah. to eye on this. That's yeah, what I weigh is about my, <laughs> my podcast. It's just about a man's right to be buttless. I, I think that I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living up to this standard. You should be. It's been too much. You're it's targeted been, constantly online. It's too much and it's gone on for too long. Yeah. And it's got to, it stops now. It's very sexist. Leave, it's just specifically Women me. have just been letting go <laughs> 2,000 years now talk about I Weigh because it's 
It is fascinating what you're doing, and I love what you're doing, but but let's talk about it. Let's talk about iWay. Okay, so uh, iWay is a kind of online movement that I started uh, that is just a movement against shame. It's a mental health movement, and we focus on every different type of marginalized group. So just all of the shame and the mental health issues that they may carry because they've been otherized by society. So it started because I saw a picture of the Kardashians, and they had numbers written across their body, and so I clicked on that picture because I wanted to know if it was how much money they had Mm because I was curious Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't how many awards they've won or how much money they have it was their fucking weight Mm -hmm. and once I clicked on that because of the algorithms of Instagram uh, suddenly more and more pictures of more only women were coming up with their weight written across their bodies and so I tried really hard to find pictures of men famous men or businessmen and I couldn't find anything and it hit me that God in 2018 I as someone who had an eating disorder as a child 20 years later we still don't care about what men look like and how much they weigh anywhere near as much as we obsess over that those numbers with women we estimate a woman's entire value and worth via the numbers on a scale I just felt crazy to me so I posted in a moment of rage and possibly some PMS that I uh, it was I had PMS I was very angry and I Mm -hmm. posted well I weigh my financial independence and my activism and my relationship and my friendships and the eating disorder I survived I weigh the sum of my motherfucking parts right And it just resonated with people. I had a very small following, but it went completely viral. I received 10,000 responses from women sending me what they weigh in all their attributes and contributions to society. Started an Instagram account, thought it would be a very short phase. And two and a half years later, I have 1.3 million followers on Instagram on this iWay account. We are a movement that are changing bills in the United States. We have changed a global policy across all social media. And we have a podcast and a YouTube channel. And we are a like a learning space for people about different groups but we're also just somewhere where you can come to to feel represented and feel okay about the fact that you're not okay yeah i have uh first of all i'm indebted to you because i have children they're teenagers i have a 14 year old son i also have a 16 year old daughter so i see mm-hmm. what she's exposed to um and uh i see uh and also what he's exposed to. Right. Well, he's exposed to having a, <laughs> a father who he thinks is an idiot. <laughs> That's the thing. But no, both of them. But I, I, I have told them, I said, I think you're growing up in a more perilous environment than the yeah. one I grew up in. And I, it, it, it's switching it because most parents love to tell their children, why, when I was your age, we didn't have cable TV. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, we didn't, I didn't get to take the kind of trips you guys get to take. And we don't do that. Yeah. I say to them, I'm looking at what you're dealing with yeah. and I find it much more perilous and intimidating than anything I had to deal with. So how can we help? Um, yeah, well, we had to pay for our peril when we were younger. That was yeah. much harder to access. You know, I had to buy the fashion magazines that would fuck me up and make me think I was fat and ugly. Uh, whereas they, you know, they would, they it finds them, it hunts them. It's like the John Krasinski film with Emily Blunt. Like, yes. It hunts you down in the night. Right. And so they've got no way of escaping it and they're just being so fucking warped. And I guess that's why it's so important for me and people like me to do the work that we do just to educate kids. All we're trying to do, look, we can't change anything and we can't cancel anyone. We can't cancel anything, but we can educate you. And I think think that we've entered this real really odd moment of moral superiority where people make people feel dumb for trying to learn and for not arriving already fully informed about everything and i think that's fucking stupid and it also devalues progress yeah. and what is the point of activism if you're not 
open to the idea that people fucking change. And so I started this whole platform as a chance to educate myself because I'm really ignorant. I left school at the car accident. And so therefore I never went back. I'm super uneducated, ignorant, not very well read, nowhere near as much as I would like to be and should be at my age. And I want, I don't think there's anything embarrassing about trying and learning. Right. And so I've created this space so other people can try and learn with me. And it's okay if you're stupid, because so am I. And let's be less stupid together. I think what you're talking about is this fear, this dreadful fear everyone has is no one wants to be caught in an imperfect moment because there's yeah. such a chance these days of getting shamed. We're the products of our fucking environments. So I think that that's also really important to take into account. Both sides need to sh need to shift. And I wasn't just talking about race. I'm talking about when it comes to trans issues or feminism or anything, disability rights. A, we have to become less, we have to become more com comfortable with fucking up. But also when people make an innocent mistake, a clearly innocent mistake and don't have a record of harmful behavior we need to start giving people the benefit of the doubt because we're stopping people from putting their hands up and asking the important questions and i'm not talking about adults i'm talking about the kids yeah. the ones that we can most easily influence to be progressive they are watching adults tear each other apart and they are ingesting this and thinking oh shit it's better to say nothing than to expose a hint of ignorance otherwise people shame you as if you are it's like we can't separate ignorance from evil there is a difference and we have to learn how to separate the two so we can understand that we don't also lump everyone together as harmful when some of those people have great potential to be allies, but therefore then the actually harmful people get to hide in a mass group. We need to learn how to separate those people off so we can find them and kill them. No, uh, and, <laughs> and, and really go to well, town. Well, hunt them. Making and, sure that they Hunt are, them and kill them. That they are safe to be around. They want to, you want people. them running for a while yeah. before they're killed. Um, <laughs> you know, talking to you about all of this and and I'm, I'm, I've been aware of how outspoken you've been only makes me more impressed with the performance you you turned in as Tahani because you were playing someone that initially you might loathe that you you don't know who did you, loathe you did loathe and you actually made her much less likable than she was originally written yeah because I think that the British think that the English are very charming and we're not we're utterly charmless we're just posh I think that we've been given too easy a ride over the United States and so I think that it was important for in order to make her like as as funny and as frustrating as she could be like to give her as many dimensions as possible so she doesn't become the hot one mm -hmm. on the show because that mm -hmm. was my fear um because that's a too much pressure for me to live up to but also just and that's not what my show was planning but it was just she felt so polished and I wanted her to be truly English. I wanted true representation of how passive aggressive and insincere and ridiculous we can be. And I love the English, but this is who we are. I love us for all of our faults. Yeah. And, and also what's cool about Mike Scher is the fact that he's not an egomaniac. The fact that he was always like, okay, you do your take and then we'll do mine and then I'll figure out in the edit. And so I didn't know until season one came out that he'd shaped the character right. as I had wanted he just edited and he used my takes, my choices. And I just thought that was very cool. I, I'm so spoiled for working with Mike Schur. Uh, Mike Schur, uh, who any, anyone who doesn't know, uh, the the creative mind, the showrunner uh, for The Good Place. And, and The Office he, and Parks and, and Recreation. And The Office and yeah. Parks and Recreation. But he has a reputation in the business. This is behind the scenes stuff. But... Uh, he has the most stellar reputation as a showrunner mm -hmm. of anybody. Everyone says he's not just incredibly gifted, but he's a very uh, kind boss and he cares about the people that, that that work for him and he doesn't want them, they have families to go home too late. That's the, everyone wants to work with him because yeah. he has that reputation. 
And he has a no asshole policy, which doesn't mean you have to sew your asshole up uh, before you start working with him. Just see, that's clear. what I misunderstood yeah, when yeah, I applied. Yeah. Is I actually yeah. I used a court, like a and, eunuch. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, he gives you it's a one strike rule of bad behaviour. So that's it. That's no. That's you're out. You treat anyone like shit. You're out. Doesn't matter how high or low down the ladder you are. You're out. And you know that from the. It's the very first thing he ever says to you before welcoming you onto the show. Right. Is is that I have two policies. Number one, the best joke wins. And number two, I have a no asshole policy. So that is that is that was great because it cultivated an atmosphere where nobody was a diva. And I I, think that's I have rare. been a showrunner, um, and I'm betraying my age now. For twenty, I've been in a, uh, running a late night show for twenty seven years, and I am the show. You have a late night show oh god <laughs> yes it's a it's an it's a spinoff from the podcast the podcast i've been doing for oh. 35 years and then so, a couple did of you years invent the podcast? i did i did when we first did them they were on television and uh then he would just stand it was basically just a, a speech it, it was a microphone yeah. and uh part of a face leaning in um but i've been running a show for a very long time and my policy has always been you do as i say and I am an insane Roman emperor, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, I'm given seventy five thousand chances yeah. to be an, an, an absolutely uh, reprehensible asshole. Anyone who ever watches you, we definitely get alpha. You all get. We all see alpha. Yeah. Uh, yes, alpha. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. alpha. Um, Radiates through this. Overly <laughs> yeah. too much testosterone. Yeah. I think has always been the issue for mm-hmm. me uh, as a showrunner. <laughs> I like preying on people's worst fears, right, Sona? What do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. He yeah. he rules with an iron fist. It's terrifying. She's yeah. crying. Yeah, right now. I'm I'm so scared of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes her sit me. on a pain mat while she's listening to. This. <laughs> Have you heard about these? What is it? It's the most fucking LA thing I've ever heard of. A bunch of very like big fancy celebrities have gone and bought themselves pain mats so they can sort of feel pain and feel what you, what, discomfort. A pain mat, like, I'm imagining... It's like pins. Like pins that you yeah. lie on. Yeah, you sit on or Wait, lie so on. that they can know what it's like to... I think so, or like externalize their inner artist pain. And this is me just being like, famous people can't be in pain. They absolutely can and, and often are. In fact, they get into this industry normally because they're in pain. Yeah. But, um, no, I've I, not heard about the pain mat. Yeah, the pain mat. Bunch of fancy hippie celebs just sitting on a pain mat while other people live a pain mat. Their yes. whole lives just one big pain mat. Right. Other people Some are going to prick in Calabasas <laughs> on a pain mat in their giant mansion. So basically, we live in a country where a lot of people are being are not going to get six hundred dollars uh, payments from the government. Mm-hmm. And other uh, people are living them. on a six hundred dollar pain mat. Yes, exactly. They paid six hundred for the privilege of trying to understand what pain is. Yeah. I've got to get one. <laughs> But I want mine to be a really good one. I don't want the shit one. I want the really good one. The Bluetooth one? I want can, the like, one. like shout insults at you. I want to, you know, I want to do that thing where you look on Amazon and you're like, no, I don't want to see the cheapest. Show me the most expensive. I would go to the most expensive and you know who makes it? I'm sure it's made in Sweden. Or it's Musk. Yes. Musk would make the best, the ultimate pain mat. Sorry, I don't know how I took you here. No, I know, but I'm thinking about getting one. Sona, get me a pain mat. Are you looking up pain I mat? I am actually. I get, saw. I, get the I'm, expensive version of what you're sitting. I want on right the now. very yeah. best one. I'm yeah. looking at one that's seventeen hundred dollars. No, no, no. Is Fuck it? Off. Is this a real thing? <laughs> I'm not joking. Wait. So, well, so yeah. talk to me about it. What is it? Tell, tell us about well, it. Well, some of them are like for acupressure and stuff, but I bet there's like a hidden celebrity connect that does the does the really intense stuff and that's probably really expensive what a bunch of cunts yeah <laughs> I okay know. you know what I'm going to talk to you about your language 
<laughs> I've let it go. You've had so many fucks on this show and you've had so many shits and you don't give a fuck about shitting and you don't give a shit about fucking. Um, and um, but now you've now this you've, is how we communicate. No, no, no. That is no excuse here. Uh, as I've said many times, this is a podcast primarily for children. Uh-huh. It's by children for children. <laughs> and uh, I don't appreciate what you're doing. You're taking us down a very bad road. Oh, fuck off. Um, okay, well, I don't give about a, a shit about you telling me to fuck off. This sounds great in my accent. Uh, fuck you, you. Um, okay, it's not working. I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, let's say I do come over and I'm with you and your boyfriend. And let's just follow this scenario. So we're in our robes. Well, I'm just hanging out. and you Better not be hanging out of your robe. No, 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 no. Trust me. Okay. That can't happen anymore. There's been an accident. But uh, my, my point is, if I'm hanging around with you guys, what are you doing for fun? What do you like to do just around the house? Do you... What's uh, what's your what's your place of joy? Do you guys just watch TV together? It's snacking and TV. It's truly just the food and comedy combination for us is enough. We're very low key people, and also, you know, we've indulged in an immense amount of privilege in the fact that we've been touring artists our whole lives. Right. We've seen so many things in the world. We've done all of these, you know, gone to all the places, gone to all the fancy parties that you're supposed to enjoy, but they're fucking horrible, and the people are terrible. And you're wearing something uncomfortable. I was never invited. I was not invited. It was so embarrassing when you said, we've all been to the parties with the beautiful people and and it's boring, right? I can't help you there. I've been to a few parties where there were some major celebrities, but I've been to shockingly few. Shockingly few. Yeah. And so, you know, like we've kind of had a really amazing and diverse opportunity to find out what we like. And really what we like is the same shit that we like when we were 12, which is just comedy and chocolate. Yeah. And so we just watch stand up or comedies together, series together, very low key couple who really just are spend our lives on aeroplanes and are just so thrilled to be at home with each other right now. So that's it. It's very dull. It's you, it's me and my horny ginger dog and my other horny ginger dog, Conan. Nice. <laughs> my boyfriend, that's right, you third have... horny ginger dog. Oh, that's right. Your boyfriend yeah. is a, a redhead, yeah. a ginger, as you say. And um, it's interesting that you drew drawn to a redhead. It's interesting. Yeah, that one time. <laughs> well, everyone knows that we are the sort most... Sort of like a comet, like Haley's Bop. <laughs> no, you were drawn to him because you know that... The pubes. No, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. It's insane. No, it's true. Every night in the shower, I look down, and it, it looks like there's a, a, a fire. fire has, a yeah. fire has broken out. Forest yeah, fire. Looks like a fire around a mm-hmm. sort of a... Move on, Conan. Um, <laughs> igloo. I'm sorry. Yeah, fire broke out around an igloo. It's there's some been some malformation. We're not going to talk about that. This is it's really it's really lovely talking to you. This because is my favorite time ever on a podcast. I feel so comfortable and relaxed. Well, yeah. I'll come. Uh, Maybe too relaxed. <laughs> please, please, just no more swearing. I can't handle it anymore. Colin, too relaxed? Yes or no? That's a yes. That's a resounding yes. Uh, Colin, you're also from across the pond, are you not? Is there a way that Colin can speak to us? You have a yes. microphone there, don't you? Hi there. Yes. Colin, I just want your perspective. Where are you from, Colin? Manchester. Manchester, yes, that's right. Do you agree with what uh, Jamila has said about, does it ring true to you about the English? The tall poppy syndrome, for sure. I'm, I'm not as uh, experienced with our colonial history. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, tall poppy syndrome, absolutely. Everyone hates to see someone succeed. So do you hate uh, Jamila right now because she's done so well? No, because we've risen no, no. together. He's my producer. 
Right. He's your, I know he's your producer, but you've, you know, risen, you've really risen and there, there must be some hatred within you if you're, if you're a proud Englishman right now, there must be some. I guess there should, but there isn't because Jamila just sort of turned up in LA and was like, we'll be friends. And so we were. And yeah. so it's difficult to resent that success. Okay. Well, that's no fun. I, I was hoping him. She should have elbowed me aside by now, <laughs> and then I could resent her. Do you guys ever go to a pub together and get a pint? What do you do? Do you ever do oh anything? God, where would we even do that here? What are you talking about? They have fake pubs all over the place here, down in Santa Monica. They're very distressing. I hate the fake pubs here. No, yeah. English people like to just break bread. That's it. We break bread. That's fascinating. We talked a big talk and got sent home with our knickers down. <laughs> But you had it. It works for so long. For it worked bit. for no so long. No one cares long. about the and journey. Then it, and then it all went away. It's and not like, how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell was that? I don't know. You just it's did not it. not how you go. It's how you land. <laughs> oh, my God. You just became... Martha Ray. I don't know who are I you. Yeah, and you she's do, an she's experience. she's doing a dance. She's flailing her arms around and she's like, I'm you finish, baby. I didn't know that that person was in there. Yeah, but it's a lot, a lot about me. You don't know yet. You should talk in a very profane, sexual way as that woman. That would be the way to go. You know, that's the, <laughs> that character should then start to morph that way. I'm telling you, that's okay. the future for that character. Great. Um, Absolutely a treat talking to you, and uh, I look forward to hanging out at your house. With oh God, it's not finishing on the song, is it? Oh God! <laughs> Thank you so much for being so honest and so funny. I'd appreciate you know clean up the language a little bit, but <laughs> I do adore. I really do adore you, and I think you're doing something very special. And um, as the father of a 16 year old girl, I'm very happy that you're doing this work. I really am very appreciative. So thank you. And she adores you. She's a that my kids absolutely love the good place. So I get points for just knowing you. It's one of those things where they don't respect me, but when I can go home and say I saw Jamil Jamil today, there I'm suddenly cool for about six seconds. The R naught of cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Loads of love. It's uh, hard for people to know because this is a podcast, but I have developed a radically different look in the last couple of weeks because mm -hmm. well, I haven't had a haircut since quarantine yeah. started. And um, I look really different now. I mean, the old Conan Pompadour. Yeah. It's, this is an engineering thing, but when it gets, <laughs> the, the pompadour can only hold so much weight. Yeah. You can use various products to keep the pompadour going for a while to get that really, the Conan shelf, the pomp, the poof, whatever you want to call it. But what's happened is about three weeks ago, I had, the pompadour was crazy long and I had piled the hair up and it was just insane looking, right? It looked like I had a baguette yeah. on my head. And <laughs> then I remember very clearly it was late in the afternoon and I heard a creaking sound sound mm -hmm. and the pompadour collapsed oh no it collapsed and little workmen that were <laughs> working on it were killed is that um, how it stays up yeah yeah there are little workmen in there and i heard creaking and then screams and there we tried to retrieve whoever was in there oh no but they were all gone and we lost all souls oh man uh, and, and the uh and the pompadour collapsed and crashed came crashing down and of course we taped it off and we looked at it and then i realized i can't do this anymore screw it so I went out and I got a headband. Uh -huh. Now I walk around with this big 
crazy headband and it's yeah. kind of like an 80s band remember yeah. Dire Straits like Mark Knopfler oh, yeah. you know or Bruce Springsteen of that certain era I've now I'm a guy that wears a big headband that covers my whole forehead and shoves my hair up above me and then I is it terry cloth it's made of actually a um, it's a company called Buff B-U-F-F we're not getting any money for this this is just a shout out to the good people at Buff they're, they're pretty inexpensive but they're also a mask too because you wear them around your neck so I've got one around my neck yeah and I've got one around my head and it pulls up and it makes a mask and I'm this different guy. I look kind of like the, an, what do you think? A ninja? I was going to say the villain from the Karate Kid. What was his name? Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. The really the, he Johnny, Danny? Uh, look it up. It was, I think it was Johnny. Sweep Didn't, the leg, Johnny. Yeah. Sweep the leg. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the incredible bully. Yeah, he's the bully because he had also a lot of like hair coming out from a headband that he wore and and that's what I'm I uh, yeah he had a headband and he also you probably are thinking of him because he was incredibly cruel um <laughs> heartless yeah and he had a mean a mean twisted up face all the time he was always just <laughs> He and his friends always just wanted to chase Ralph Macchio. When Ralph Macchio was on his bike, they made him crash off a hill, remember? Yeah, and then he was like, so hey, hey, we, I mean, we showed you. Who does that? I do that when yeah. I'm wearing a headband. When yeah. I'm wearing a headband, I become the villain from Karate Kid. <laughs> and you it, shove people in the street. Yeah, and I'm constantly, I'm constantly uh, wanting to threaten other people. In I go into dojos where I don't even belong. <laughs> and, then I, and I don't know any karate. And I just go in there and I wear my headband and I start mocking other people and trying to, you know, hurt their feelings or make them feel inadequate. And a lot of times the guy, the dojo master, yeah. the sensei, if you will, I suppose, yes. says, who are you? Oh, you look like you're Conan O'Brien, but he would never come in here and your hair's too long. Um, but you look really, you seem mean and dicky and you should probably go. You, you don't even yeah. seem like you fight. And I'd be like, I don't fight. I don't fight at all. But I'm now that I'm wearing this headband, I am the mean kid from Karate Kid. I'm sure someone's looked up his name. What's his name? Johnny Lawrence. That's it. And didn't he come back? Didn't they bring that show back? Yeah. And actually, speaking of hair, I went to get my hair cut a couple years ago, and he goes to the same place I get my hair cut, and he was getting his hair cut. Oh. There. Couldn't have been nicer. He was nice? I heard he's a nice guy. He's so nice. I've heard, yeah, I've heard across yeah, the board. Yeah, but he's so nice. convincing at being a dick. He must be trying to undo that reputation. Yeah, he spent his know? whole life since Karate Kid going out of his way to say, let me get that door for you. And people are like, <laughs> you're still a prick. You made Ralph Macchio crash on his bike. You're going to sweep my knee. Yeah. Oh, played by William Zebka or Zabka? Zabka. Z okay, yeah. played by William Zabka. It, it was in the chat. Oh, okay. Adam just sent that to me. And everybody. he's still just as good looking, that guy. He is. Yeah, some guys, yeah. some guys like us don't age. You know what it is? It's the headband. The headband pulls the skin taut. <laughs> what I've noticed is that instead of, you know, people in my business have to think about, you know, at some point, do we have some surgical procedure? Do we not? Uh -huh. And um, I'm made of cheap Irish stock. So we're just, <laughs> no, we just rot. We just rot like pumpkins. And uh, I've decided that this headband, which I'm wearing because my hair is too long, it literally is in my eyes now. So I'm wearing this headband and I'm liking it because one of the side effects is that it's pulling my skin taut. Oh, and you do I look good though. I look, it does look good. But I will say, rather, than like dire straits, you look more like you're in flock of seagulls. Very oh. yes, yeah. Flock of flock of seagulls. I've I've had a few people say flock of seagulls, and I'm sticking with it now. 
let's be honest. I could get a haircut at this point. I could. Yeah. Yeah, I could. could. I I could get a haircut. There are plenty of people who'd be, who'd be willing to cut my hair and meet me in a field somewhere. And we could both be wearing respirators (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they could cut my hair. So it could be safely done. At this point, it's not even about that. I'm just going for it. I'm going for it. Cause you know, once I grew a beard and I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I did it. And, and now I'm thinking, I want this to grow so long that maybe I get a man bun. Maybe I have to, yeah, maybe, maybe I would never do man bun. I'm just kidding about that. But I would like it tumbling like Jesus length. I want Jesus length hair. I want Jesus hair. Are you worried without your hair and half your face covered? People probably don't recognize you anymore. Well, you know, what's funny. Even with a mask on, I walk around saying I'm Conan. I'm Conan. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'll put my mask on right now. So now my mask is on. I pulled it up from the bottom and this is the experience. If you see a tall person who's pretty much all covered going, Conan, I'm Conan. I'm Conan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Conan. I'm Conan. Seems a little needy. I'm Conan. I do that. I do. Uh, Because I desperately need people to notice me. (laughs) It's the only reason I got into show business is so that people would be excited to see me and go, oh my God, it's Conan. Uh I cannot live without that. I sometimes wonder if you willed yourself to have red hair just for, so it would stick out. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things I willed myself to do. I mean, I think that naturally I'm an amazing athlete, but I think I, listen to me, Mm. listen, hear Uh, me out. I willed myself to be uh, inept and physically awkward because that's funnier. And when I was huh. young, when I was very young, yeah. I was strikingly handsome. Strikingly. Okay. I mean, people used to say, good God, he's going to be a leading man. I was like, no, I'm interested in comedy. Huh. And I remembered as I was growing, I willed myself. I really do think through sheer force of will. Sure. I shaped my eyes to be kind of beady and my oh. lips to be sort of thin and creepy. Uh-huh. I knew that these, and I my face to be kind of really big and wide and, oh and invasive. God. And I did all that because I thought, that's going to play better for comedy. Uh-huh. I'm just saying that a lot of downsides to COVID. Uh, and I don't need to list them. You know, I don't <laughs> need to. You said that. You know, there are downsides to COVID. Uh-huh. But everyone's looking for the silver linings. And I'm looking, I am exploring this new me, mm-hmm. which is I'm Bjorn Borg. The tennis great in 1978. <laughs> You're Martina Navratilova. Or, 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 you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm gender fluid. It doesn't matter to me. I have no ego. I mean, I'm fine being either one. I, I'm, I'm sort of like Sean Cassidy. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm Chrissy Teigen. Um, Wait, what? I just threw her in there. I think what? she's very beautiful. Um, you can't just say you're her and then like, we'll be like, uh-huh, yeah. Well, I almost got away with it. No. I'm on board. I'm on board, frankly. This That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm going for a yeah. headband and I'm wearing it all the time. And I'm, you know, uh, if you if you see a tall Dutch woman uh, with a headband uh, on the head and then underneath, that's me. That's Conan O'Brien. Yeah. And also, if you hear the person saying through their mask, I'm Conan, I'm Conan, I'm Conan. <laughs> That's me. And make a big fuss. Make a big fuss and really get excited. And even if you're not a fan and you've never been a fan, do me a favor. How much would it cost you to go, oh my God, I grew up watching you. You're the best. You define comedy. Is that really going to hurt you to do that? That's not going to hurt you. So people should just say that stuff to you. Yes. Even if it's not true, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And if you actively dislike me, why... That's a waste of time. No good comes of that. Come up to me and go like, you know what? Your work means so much to me and you're so great and you've brought so much joy to my life. Easy. I don't want to. I'm not a fan. Fuck you. Oh 
just do it. God damn it. You can't say fuck you to people who might not be your fan. This headband guy's got an edge. I'm sorry, it's the headband squeezing. (laughs) It's squeezing the vessels in my, my, near my brain and it's, Creating microbursts of hostility. So just aggro. fucking, just fucking say you like me. Just fucking <laughs> praise me. Do you see me on the street? I'm Conan. I'm Conan. I'm Conan. I'm Conan. Praise oh, me. Man. I'm Conan. I'm Conan. Oh. I'm Conan. Okay, this went so very badly. Oh. I will, yeah, it did. I like your long hair. All right, I'm going to stick that. with it. I think, I'm I think with it's yeah. really good look for you, and I actually like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. You well. know what we should do is is keep going with it and check in throughout the season on how it's ah. doing. Yeah, and we can post uh, photographs that then you can put them on people's computers. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm liking, I'm digging the new look and uh, just check me out. You know, I'll be out there. I'll be on the streets. I walk the streets. Yeah. Um, Go up to him. Tell him you love him. Yeah. Feed his need. Don't forget to say Katakai as God made yes. her. Katakai as God made her. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.